there's so many yeah. things to fix. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just the mentality of most of the people in the diocese probably is like, this city is so broken, we need to fix it. How can we fix it now? without seeing the beauty of the people and the community that's there. People of Creston City, people of every, everywhere around the world, this is David Christopher Pacheco. Hi, my name is Kimmy. My name is Arthur Ortiz, been in Denver since 1973. Okay, so let's just talk in circles for a little bit. Let's talk in circles, yeah. just shoot the breeze a little yeah. bit. You know, they see beyond what I look like. They see what my actions are and say, hey, that is a good person. A lot of people say home is home is where the heart is, but my heart's in many places. It's just I don't know where home is. Welcome back to Homeless But Human. Here with you again today is Blake. And here with you again today is Shayla. As we continue our summer of service city tour, we are currently going to make a stop in Gary, oh, Indiana. Stopping right? on the, the diocese the train of Gary. Gary. And with us today, we have... Two of our year-long missionaries who went there, Julie and Brad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Blake. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, we should hear about how Gary went. Yes. We kind of are doing this series of interviewing the different locations that we go to for three weeks and one of our our most northern location, well, maybe Boston's more north, but would be Gary, Indiana and serving in the diocese there in in various places. But we want to hear kind of how the experience was. But first, maybe let's start with the street team. Who was the team going from uh, Denver here and then... I don't know if you did have any extra we missionaries joining. It was joining. just the year service missionaries on this yeah, one. Yeah, so tell us about how, how that team was and how y'all meshed together. Yeah, it was good. We had five of us, me, Julie, and then Haley, Luke, and Andy. And we, ch- we just kind of had to adjust like to the ministry. So the team was actually look kind of different. As most of you know, in Denver, we go out in, in teams and we're always like that on the same street. But in Gary, we mostly went to shelters or mm. food lines. And so it was... It was a bit different for the ministry-wise. We went to a one-men shelter, uh, just as the men, Andy, Luke, and I, and then Haley and Julie went to uh, serve with the Missionaries of Charity oh, wow, a lot, cool. which was really awesome. Um, and that was just a kind of a unique perspective on ministry, just being just men and just women, Yeah, which was, it was really beautiful to be able to kind of dive deeper into those relationships with the men at the shelter, and cool to just kind of trust Andy and Luke and like be in that space together and just kind of um, you know, check in on each other, but, but have the freedom to kind of explore relationships more freely in like kind of a one-on-one setting. Yeah. I, w- I would be curious to hear more about what that was like, because normally we do send out men and women together because of the, the complementarity of having both a man and a woman on whatever team and in a conversation, it can just be very helpful. So I, I'm curious to, to hear about like what came of the conversations when it was, you know, the ladies reaching out or, or the guys reaching out to the people at the shelter, what that was like for both of you. I think the women were, because it was just Haley and I, very open to being vulnerable with us pretty quickly. Sure. That was something I had experienced at the women's shelter that I had done for my night ministry in Denver. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of one in particular, Patricia. The first day we had met her, she just opened up pretty quickly about a son she had lost recently and how she'd gotten into a car accident. And yeah. she was living with her daughter and Gary, but had gotten kicked out. And that's how she ended up with Missionaries of Charity. Mm. And it was such a gift to receive her in that vulnerability. And I think because it was just Haley and I, she just shared some things and felt very comfortable uh, that she might not have felt if there were guys around. Sure. And let's backtrack a bit. So Gary, Indiana, right, where you guys did your ministry mostly in a little bit in Michigan City there. 
in the diocese, but explain Gary, right, to our listeners. I'm oh, sure yeah, many yeah. of you have heard about Gary, but from your perspective after being there, like just explain the city and the demographics. Yeah, Gary's, well, the the term that I heard a lot was scary Gary, um, mm-hmm. like my, my family yeah. and friends um, saying that and like when they heard that I was going there. And it, it kind of is when you get there, it's pretty scary. It's, you know, yeah. but there's, I think, uh, 16,000 abandoned buildings, like oh 13,000 abandoned, abandoned oh. homes. And you're like, just drive through and one house looks like it's intact. People live in there and the next one is just like weeds everywhere. The roof's caved in. Wow. Um, and it's just like every other house, basically, you just never know what's going to yeah. be like. So driving through it, and it's just kind of a ghost town. There's just like not a lot of people around for for how big the city was built to be. So it's kind of a ghost town, kind of like desolate, kind of looks like almost like post-apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the people that we met there were incredible. There was just like such a, a desire for the community to grow. There was such a love for mm. the people that were there, especially the people from Gary. They like had a lot of pride in Gary and like wanted it to grow and become the city that it once was and the city yeah. that, that they knew it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really beautiful. Like, first of all, how people received us in that they were just like glad that we were there with them, but mm-hmm. also like how proud they were to like show off the city that doesn't, you know, it doesn't look impressive on the outside, but when you get to know the people that are there, it like, it really is a beautiful community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they want to show off. Yeah. yeah. Right. Julie, any reflections on that? Yeah, driving through for the first time, it was shocking how much of a ghost town it looked like. Uh, The first place we'd went was St. Monica and Luke's Food Line. And right across the street from there, there's this old abandoned school building. And there's trees growing on the inside of it. And that was pretty shocking (laughs) to see. So that was my first impression. But then as soon as we'd gotten to the food line and started talking with the people... It was so beautiful, like you said, Brad, to witness the community that truly is present there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many of the people we met, they were born and raised in Gary and have stayed there their whole lives and will yeah. probably never leave Gary. And there's a reason for that. Some of them had mentioned they were stuck there. Others stay there because that's where their fen- friends are, their family, Yeah, uh, which is very beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. And you have to imagine just how tough of a person, right, would live there. But then also how um, like communal Mm-hmm. of people must live there. Like you guys said, right? That would add up when you think about it. If it's known as Scary Gary, you know, if so many places, right? You don't stop for gas in Gary. I heard so many people say that yeah, when uh, right. we said we were going there. Uh, that's all they knew is you don't stop in Gary for mm-hmm. gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, okay. Now, if you're from that city and you hear that all the time, the pride and just the desire to make your home something that you are proud of, right. you know? And I, I think from your guys' interaction, even just how... At times, it can be so rough and tough, but just welcoming they were when they saw that you weren't there to judge, you know, and just be mm. there with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, meeting everyone, I was like, gosh, I forgot what it's like to be in the Midwest. For some reason, yeah. I was yeah. thinking that they would not be open and welcoming. And I don't know if that is a Midwest thing or if it's just a Gary thing, but everyone was so friendly. And sure, we don't know what's going on with their backstories for a lot of them, but yeah, just to be welcomed and received so well was such a gift. Yeah, it, it can kind of seem like maybe when entering into that situation, entering into like the ghost town scenario, that it could be, you could be, it could be very different. They might be like more closed off or might, it might seem very like the people that are there, they're yeah. going to band together against other people, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like they were open to, to new people coming in and to getting to know their city, which I think is, is cool. And it probably yeah. affected 
a lot of the people that you were meeting and becoming friends with too. What did you see in the, in the diocese, in the, the communities around Gary? I mean, how much, just because it's such a, a focal point of so many conversations and what to do, how did you see the community want to assist Gary or, yeah, desire to help? Yeah, there was, well, to be honest, like around the diocese, there, it seemed like when we told people that we were going into Gary, most people were like, oh, good luck. <laughs> like, good mm-hmm. luck going there. Most people didn't go to Gary or yeah. kind of like the same thing drove through or yeah. uh, even though they were like next door in neighboring towns. Yeah. But there was one group of Franciscan friars that lived at the cathedral of Holy oh, Angels yeah, yeah. in Gary. And they kind of, the bishop asked them to like take up that role and, and take up all the parishes in Gary. So there's, there's five of them that live there and then there's two that are mainly there. And they, their whole job is just being the priests for the, I think, five parishes that are left in Gary. Wow. And it was really beautiful to hear them talk about being there and, like, their their mission with the people there. But it was also really cool to see how our ministry kind of impacted them. We were able to show the documentary yeah. to them, and we were able to just – and we had a cookout out there at their rectory and just invited people around. And it was really beautiful to see how they were impacted by our mission mm-hmm. of, like, how, how relational it is. Because it can be so easy when you see a town like Gary, it's like, we need to fix this. There's so many yeah. things to fix. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just the mentality of most of the people in the diocese probably. It's like, this city is so broken, we need to fix it. How can we fix it now without seeing the beauty of the people and the community that's there? So I think like having our cookout and, and just being with, we invited one of the friars to come to the shelter with us and he joined us. And just seeing the way that we interacted with people gave them a new perspective on how to go about the situation yeah. and how to love. Which is exactly why Bishop invited us, right? Yeah. He sees that and he sees this need and yeah, he agrees. And you know, the, the poor, those in Gary, they're not a problem to be fixed, right? They're mm-hmm. a person to be encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so easy to switch around when we see such a, a drastic poverty, right? Like trees growing in a school building, mm-hmm. right? You see that and you're like, I need to fix this. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a natural tendency. Yeah. I think that's a big a big part to the reason why they invited us to their diocese uh, is to also engage like the parishioners to engage yeah. people in the diocese. I think like doing some work with young adults in the area and engaging the different various groups to better love and serve the poor. That was kind of the initial when we yeah. first went to Gary last year. That was like a big driver in last year, right? It was first mm-hmm. year. Yeah. No, no, no. Two years ago. Sorry. This is our third summer. Yes. Whoa. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, what, what was that like for you to connect with other like groups or parishioners? Were you able to meet, meet people, share the mission, host, host a night of something like that? How was that for both of you? Yeah. One of the teammates, Luke Salyer, his family lives in Michigan city. So he oh, was nice. born and raised there, knew mm-hmm. a lot of people. So it was really great to have their support and those connections of people that wanted to help Gary, people that wanted to support us in the mission, yeah, and they just simply don't know how. And having the documentary showing was very powerful, like, oh, this is what you guys do. Like, yeah, just some practical ways that they can help as well. Mm -hmm. Just simply talking to people, whether that's in Gary or Michigan City. Mm -hmm. It was really great to connect with local people. Yeah, such a good and supportive community. Yeah, we also hosted two documentary showings in different parishes, one in Valparaiso and one in Michigan City. And that was a really beautiful way to bring bring people together and like understand what we're doing there, why we're there. I think it's just hard for people to like kind of understand why we were there or what mm-hmm. we're even doing. Yeah. And 
the, and people were very moved by the documentary and just getting to know us on those nights. That was a really, a, a really big gift to be able to share that with them. What kind of effect do you think that is going to have? Or maybe you saw parts of it before you even left on, on the diocese, on the people that came to those screenings. Or maybe what do you hope? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hope I mean, for there's, there, there's so much hope there. There's uh, At the documentary showings, I, I made sure, as kind of like the MC for the night, I guess, I made sure to like oh, share big a little MC. bit. Oh, big MC. Big MC. Blake's footsteps. <laughs> but I made sure to like share about our experience in Gary because I, I hope that people will see that and see that it's accessible to them um, and that there are people to be loved near them, especially in, in poverty too. So the hope is that that, could continue somehow. And another really beautiful connection that, that we made was the shelter that we went to. It's called Brothers Keeper. We went there a lot and there was the group of Franciscans at the cathedral. One of them came with us to the shelter and he's he sent me a picture actually after we left of him and the director just like getting oh, so just good. hanging out. And he told, I like asked him to make, like to make sure that he would like continue to go to the shelter, continue to love those men because they need it. And uh, he told me that he would, and he would continue to follow up. And even at the cookout, the director mm. of the shelter brought like nine of the men to wow. the to the cookout. It was too far from the walk, so we drove them in a van. And he, they got to come to the cathedral. We played basketball. They got to know the priest. So, so there's just good. like a real hope that 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 connection will continue. And and who knows what what that community yeah. could bring to those men and to the friars and and really the whole city. You know? Yeah, and by no means, I mean what you guys did in three weeks is that an answer? Or just some great you know, fantastic thing. It's like, no, it's, it's just bringing Christ. Right. And like any little fruit is due to all the resources that are already there and just our work being complementary to that. And I think it's so cool to just see the little ways that even three weeks can, can have a difference. And with that, I'm from the two of you, what kind of interactions you mentioned, Patricia, but what other stories of just friends did you meet and Mm. you were just moved by? Uh, there was this one man that I'd met. Actually, the guys really got to know him better. His name was Al. And when they met him, it was, I think, a few days or a few weeks after he'd gotten out of prison for 20 years, I believe. Oh, man. Wow. Um, and so I met him at our cookout after the busload of guys had come from yeah. Brother's Keeper. And just seeing him look around at the cathedral and the school and the people, he was like, wow, Like it is so good to not only be out of jail and but also out of brother's keeper in in the real world around people again i mean the last time he was in society was 2003 like how much the world yeah just like saying that out loud of like 20 years no that's 2003 (laughs) how much the world has changed for us since 2003 i mean i was five years old yeah (laughs) yeah um so that was very impactful it's like yeah he is not just adjusting to life out of jail but adjusting to all the changes in the world now new technology this new city so that was very impactful to be talking with him yeah yeah we we had quite a few wonderful relationships with those men there and yeah i I guess i want to share a story about a man named brian who i just found like i guess because because we were like one-on-one with men more at the shelter it allowed just like I don't know how much it affected them, but it allowed me to be more vulnerable, allowed me to like kind of let my guard down. Like I didn't have people that I was like looking out for, like making sure everything was fine. Like I could just be myself Hmm. Um, and it allowed me to be a lot more vulnerable with the men. And one day I was like, I was like just really struggling. It was like our second week there. And it just kind of was taking a toll on me being, being there away from Denver, away from the support here. And 
um, I was like really struggling and we went to the shelter that day and I just sat, sat down with Brian and just kind of like told him how I was struggling. And he told me the story of, of his son who he was, Brian was actually in prison for 30 years and he got out about a year ago, maybe less than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was trying to reconnect with his son who was, who was eight when he went into prison. Wow. And there's just like a lot of brokenness there, you know, like 30 years without, you know, access So his son's to now like 38. Yeah. His son's in his thirties, forties. Wow. Um, and so he's trying to reconnect with his son and like be the father that he couldn't be while he was in prison. And he shared a story of, uh, it was, it was right after Memorial Day weekend. He was with him on Memorial Day and he was talking to him about like leaving things in the past and letting go of, of pains and burdens that, that don't need to be held on to. And it just like related a lot with me and just like the pain that I was going through and just like being able to hear his story of reconnecting with his son and like loving him like that. And then like sharing with how, with him, how I was struggling. And he like was able to step into a father role for me, Wow, like Mm. being truly like a support and a father for me in that moment was just such a gift. And he, he even the day that we had that cookout, it was like our last day in town. And we told all the guys, we're like, this is our last day. So we'd really love it if you came, but if you can't, no worries. Like it's like hard for them to get there. Sure. And when they came, I like, I got so excited and I Aww. saw him and I was like, Brian, you made it. And he was like, well, yeah, it's your last day. I had to come see you. Aww. And it was just like cool to be in that space of vulnerability myself and just like receive the love of those men, knowing that not only is it like good for me to be loved in that way, but it's good for them to love someone. Mm. It's dignifying yeah. for them to be able to, to love me as a son in, in my own struggles and vulnerabilities. Yeah. Mm. The vulnerability gave him that ability to show his fatherly nature you know and like he's desperately wanting to do that with his own son and look at that you know your own struggles are can be a gift to others when we allow others in yeah right and it's like and and clearly he was not afraid to enter into that with you you know i think that's so cool too if like he he wasn't intimidated by that brad Mm -hmm. he wasn't you know worried or like oh you know he was like didn't know how to receive you no he's like this this is a Probably thought of you as a young boy. As <laughs> a young boy in I his twenties, you know. Twenty, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. In 60, so. <laughs> who who needs help? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I can do something. Ah, mm-hmm. what a gift! Vulnerability sparks vulnerability. <laughs> yes, so that's so good. That's so you're good. Just able to to open up in that way, and then he was able to do the same. Yeah, that I mean, that's what that's what the mission is. It's it like is. loving others in their poverty and being loved in po- in your poverty. Oh, it's yeah. like this this back and forth. And of, that's friendship. Yep. Right. You can't can't only give, we must receive as well. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, as Shayla always says, so there's many communities across the United States, maybe not as drastic as Gary, mm-hmm. uh, but those communities that are just struggling and it can be really hard to know what to do, how to engage them or anything like that. So any words to anyone, no matter where you are about those, those communities that are probably closer than you think, uh, that are just in such dire need, any thoughts for them on maybe how you can help or even, uh, just have an effect on them? I think starting simple and starting small is the most important thing for consistent change. Whether that's if you're stopped and you see someone on the side of the road just rolling down your window and saying, hey, how's your day going? What's your name? Or being more present to the people around you, whether that's waiting in line at the grocery store, to your family members at the end of the day, just trying to be more present to the people around you. And also, yeah, just looking for opportunities to volunteer is always great. 
of course, you need people to, if it's like at a food line, to be serving the food, but also just going to sit and talk yeah. with the people there is so powerful to have those encounters and to show them, I care about you and you're worth being listened to, you're worth being heard, I think is very impactful. Julie over there dropping yeah, motivational amen. bombs. Oh my <laughs> gosh. All right, Brad, let's hear what you got up next. Let's go, man. Uh, I was just going to say something along the lines of what I was sharing about Brian is realizing that within myself, I'm broken and I don't have it all figured out. And I probably will never have it all figured out. And yeah. I need people. And when when thinking about service to the poor, being in a relationship with the poor, not making it about what I can give, but about how I can receive from people because everyone has things to, to give to us and it is a gift to be to be received and to allow others to give to us. So not thinking about things in perspective of like, what can I give? I mean, we all have our own things to give yeah. to, which is beautiful, um, but realizing how much the poor can truly give to us through their life experience, through their love, through their, their care for us mm. and being willing to to go into situations and be vulnerable and allow the Lord to give give his great gifts through whoever we encounter. I love that. You guys, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Shout out to everyone in Gary, all the listeners from Gary. All our friends there. Ivan, Father Kevin, the, Bishop, the whole gang. You guys are amazing. Yes, yeah. So the squad. Good. Thank you for everything, guys. You're thank awesome. Thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to all of our listeners who are tuning in today. We hope that you felt inspired by our missionaries that went to Gary. Thank you guys for, for joining us on podcast today. God bless you all. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Homeless But Human today. In order to keep producing this content for you all, we invite you to consider joining our known and loved monthly giving community. This is one of the most impactful ways that you can join us on mission. Your monthly gift sends missionaries out to the streets day after day and helps us to continue recording and sharing our podcast. It's our vision that every city not only has soup kitchens and shelters, but communities who are committed to helping the homeless know that they have a home in us. And what is home but a small taste of Christ's infinite love? Visit ChristInTheCity.org and make a monthly gift today to join our known and loved community. And if you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and go hit subscribe and leave a review. To get more involved with the mission, visit ChristInTheCity.org.